Welcome to Amusement Sparks. This is the amateur theme park design show, and we've got some very special guests on today's episode. Um, these guys actually uh, do a couple podcasts of their own, and one of them specifically led me directly to the creation of this show. So uh, it's uh, a big honor, you know, getting your, your heroes on the show. So uh, who do I have here on the call? First of all, thank you for saying that. That's such a huge honor to hear uh, to hear you say that, and, and uh, we're big fans of your show, and, and to hear that our show influenced this is, is pretty crazy. But uh, hi, my name is Will Dodson. I'm a, a composer for film, television, media. I'm also the uh, senior producer and co-founder of SideshowSoundTheater.com, along with my compadre Wendell here. Yeah, and I am, as he says, Wendell. <laughs> I'm Wendell Jones. I am the other co-founder of Sideshow. Um, yeah, we, we both produce the podcast, Sideshow Sound Radio, all about film scores, TV soundtracks, video game music, uh, Disney music. We have a few shows on there, of which Andrew just mentioned, Mouse Music, all about Disney music soundtracks. And uh, yeah, we're so happy to be here. Thank you for having us, Andrew. It's our honor. Yeah, sure. Um, and another like a uh, question I usually ask my guests right towards the beginning is is what do you guys do professionally? You did a great job of uh, of handling that, and <laughs> you guys have some some pretty interesting careers. You know, it's it's uh, not every day that you meet someone with your profession. Yeah, they're fun. They're 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 stressful at times, but they're they're fun careers. You know, we just uh, basically are. Well, my career is is anything audio. <laughs> you know, I'm. I'm a, uh, like I said, a, a, a film, television, and, you know, media composer, but I also dabble in audio editing and things like that. So it's, yeah, it's a fun field. And Wendell's is pretty much as varied as mine is, I, th- I think, right? <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I, I left university to pursue a composing career, and, well, I'm still here. <laughs> so. Well, if we'd like to get right into it, we've got our, our first segment, our warm-up segment here called the Toynado. Um I've got a list of toy-related adjectives and a list of types of toys. If you can't tell, I used to work in the toy industry, and uh, <laughs> I'm a, a huge fan. And, uh, yeah, I'm using a random.org random number generator here. And uh, our first pairing doesn't seem that crazy. It is a superhero robot. You guys have any Ooh. ideas of uh, a pitch on what we could do with a superhero robot? Ooh superhero robot i know it's almost like not challenging enough to be no like i know a, i mean <laughs> thought provoking it, it kind of writes itself doesn't it <laughs> yeah i guess superhero. you know the the power of flight is always one that that is fascinating to people like uh kind of wish fulfillment like what if i could fly you know yeah um so doing you know kind of like a a drone type of thing would be kind of cool if it you know had its arms and legs outstretched and then there were like rotors on top of the you know fists and the feet That'd be not awesome. super imaginative. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I think I think that's coming. I think that kind of thing is coming. Mm-hmm. You know, drones already becoming mm-hmm. so big. I think they haven't quite handled it quite yet. Like with with uh, you know Amazon yeah. using drones, it's like, well, you know, someone could just like shoot that drone down and get a new <laughs> iPod or whatever. <laughs> iPod. That shows how old I am. Um, <laughs> Are you proposing they have defensive weaponry on the Amazon drones? For me, yes. <laughs> I mean, for my, I, I, honestly, it's it, it, it's getting that way. But no, that'd be cool. Superhero robot, awesome. I would love the idea of it being like my size, like made to measure, so I can use yeah. it myself. You know, um, I don't know what my dog would make of that though. That would drive pets crazy. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, would it, that would is it move crazy. it away from the kid-friendly angle if it was a maybe an asteroid defense robot? Whoa. That, yeah, you know? so is it like a military thing? Like, Yeah, maybe a military-grade uh, uh, sort of, yeah, like, I don't know exactly. I mean, they're, the physics behind deflecting an asteroid are crazy, obviously. Yeah, but... somebody's working on it, though. Somebody's working on it. Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. Um, um, 
Yeah, that's that, maybe that's cool. a superpower. Right. I, I, this might be kind of interesting in like the uh, like Cold War era. If you know, suddenly the Russians have what looks like on our radar, it looks like a flying man, and he is flying into space. <laughs> there's there's something like a single human into space without a spaceship. Like, turns out it actually is just a small spaceship that looks like a human, but <laughs> it'd be a pretty good like way to terrify your enemies. Like, oh, they have oh, superheroes awesome. now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole franchise in itself. Well, that's Iron Man. Oh, absolutely. That's exactly <laughs> that, what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> that is Iron Man. Well said. Okay, that one's already taken. Maybe we should come up with a different one. <laughs> I was I was trying to think of how we could do like a Superman, or I'm sorry, Spider-Man type web-slinging robot. And I'm like, that's just going to be a disaster because your, your reaction time would have to be so quick if it's like remote controlled or something. You know, yeah. you have to target what you're going to shoot the webbing at. I don't know how Spider-Man does it. It seems like a, a job in and of itself. Like it would use up so much of your brain to figure out, okay, what momentum do I have? What's my trajectory? <laughs> you know, what surface could I stick to where I'm going to be able to turn the way I want to go? Man, a true hero. Yeah, that is that is math on the go. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So that one was almost too simple, right? It was like kind of a uh, a boring idea because it's like, well, yeah, superhero robot. You know, there's <laughs> that probably exists out there already, but. Um, the next one that's coming up here, uh, let's see if we can get something a little bit more fun. Um, hmm. Okay, this one, I almost just hit the re-randomize button, but I'm not going to do it. We're going to be true to form here. These are pure, <laughs> unadulterated outcomes. We have a dance and move, that's the adjective, and the noun is watch. So, what do you oh, think about wow. that, gentlemen? <laughs> yeah. Dance and move, watch. I got yeah. it. I got okay, it. let's hear it. Okay, there is a there is a uh, a vibrating mechanism within the watch mm -hmm. that will react to whatever music it hears in the environment. Whoa. And on screen, on the face of the watch, it will show you which dance move you need to execute at any given moment. This would be kind of oh. weird because you'd constantly have to be looking at your watch. Yeah. So your left arm or right arm, depending on which uh, arm you wore it on, you'd have to mm -hmm. kind of always have it up and looking at it. But it would be almost like a dance dance revolution kind of well, deal. Well, maybe it can be holographic. You can have a little hologram coming up. Oh, <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah. That sounds really neat. I, and I like that you could use the, um, like the sensors in the watch. You know, it can tell what position it's in, kind of like a Wii yeah. controller. And so it can tell if you're actually, you know, doing the like disco move or whatever. Like it can tell what your hands are supposed to be moving and whether you're achieving it or not. That's this would fun. be helpful for me because I cannot dance to save my life. <laughs> no, so. I mean, neither. Two white can guys, you, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> can you imagine this as like a training thing? You know, like I'm, you know, a single guy trying to attract, you know, ladies who are interested in dancing or whatever. And it's got, you attach one watch until, you know, each leg and each arm and it vibrates when you're supposed to move that arm. <laughs> I, I Seriously, I want this. Good job. Like I, I, I need this. <laughs> like I, I, I'm about to marry a Latina. So the difference between our dance moves are very different <laughs> i just don't oh, have the hips fun. you know i need maybe yeah the, something it's to all attach the to the hips too. yeah <laughs> get my hips moving. <laughs> uh. what a funny idea that's that's really fun um you could do like maybe a, a little kids version where um potentially you know the led screen can change colors on the watch and oh, so nice. yeah have you ever seen that um it's a certain kind of photography i'm blinking on the name right now where it's a oh, long exposure photography so yes you can like be holding a glow stick and move it in a circle and it'll look like you have a ring of glow stick around you that kind of thing yeah yeah that'd be really fun if you had a like a long exposure kind of thing 
And, you know, as you're moving your arm around, the LED is changing. So you can have it, you know, kind of change colors through this, like, swirling pattern that you're making while you're dancing. Nice. That's creative. That could be kind of fun. Yeah, yeah then it's almost be. getting into, like, 3D, um, like, sculpting. And maybe there could be, you know, there's some kind of dance uh, benefit from this. You know, if you learn how to draw this specific pattern with your your wrists, suddenly you've got, you know, cool dance moves. Yeah. I don't know if it's, if it's that cool to wave your arms around while you're dancing. You know, it's usually in the, in the hips, like you said, Wendell, but you never know. Maybe there's going to be a new dance craze where uh, it's just kind of doing the monkey, for example. <laughs> yeah. No, I want it gets people more active at the very least, no matter how shoddy their dance oh, yeah. moves are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's do one more here. This is... Sorry, I need to streamline this process a little bit. I have to keep switching back between tabs here. We've got <laughs> uh, LED screen transformers. What do you make of that? Ooh, LED screen transformers. Transformers as in more than meets the eye transformers? Yeah, or? they're more than meets the yeah. eye. You know, the, the toy that transforms <laughs> it from one form into another. Mm -hmm. Ooh. So this is ba basically a screen with LEDs? Yeah, it's got to is... be some kind of LED screen. So it could be, you know, like a smartphone, like a you know smart device app or it could be the toy itself has a screen you know maybe the back of it has a screen that can give you some kind of information i don't know i've got it i've got it all right let's hear it it's a specially written algorithm that allows you to take any picture of anything that, that you can find and then it will transform it into a transformer in its robot form but in a perfectly Whoa. symmetrical way so if you take a picture <laughs> of a cup it will transform into a transformer but with if you were to actually Pull the cup apart, every piece would fit exactly as it shows Whoa. on this robot. So is it is it just one robot that can kind of reconfigure, or does it, like, design one from scratch? I think it designs one from scratch. So if That's you were to really take cool. your phone mm -hmm. and, like, say you take a picture of your of your cat even, <laughs> <laughs> it would show you how your how your cat would, would revert back to robotic form were it a transformer. Wow, that is nice. really cool. So it's like an augmented reality kind of thing almost. You know, yeah, you could, exactly. You could hold it up to this specific lamp that's sitting beside me, and it could show it unfolding and, you know, the lampshade would become the like shoulder armor and that that's really cool dude wow do you gentlemen feel warmed up are you prepared to get oh, into totally the, raring the main to course? go yeah coffee and Ooh. tornado yeah i'm i'm there <laughs> let's do this <laughs> <laughs> well good i'm glad to hear that exciting stuff cool so um well the reason why we are gathered here today uh is well i mean you know mutual love for podcasts and everything but also there's a specific album that you two uh, completed together called Green Hill Manor. Um, do you have anything you'd like to say about that album and intro to kind of what it is? Just a quick little backstory. So Wendell and I, um, as has been established, are, are composers. And uh, in 2010, and we met each other and, uh, and really kind of found that we were similar, you know, uh, artistically. And, and we got on really well, really good buddies and, and whatnot. Well, in 2010, I also uh, decided that every single year I was going to write something for Halloween uh, every year, without question, uh, you know, in perpetuity. It was just going to keep happening for the rest of my life, um, whether that was going to be like a single piece of music or an album or whatever. So in 2010, I started that. Wendell was the first person to jump on it and go, dude, that's so cool. I really love this idea. I, I, I like your work. Uh, you seem to have this sort of affinity for creepy, fun music like I do. Not a lot of people do. I was also in a band called The Carnival. Um, this is Wendell saying that, not me. <laughs> and he, uh, he showed me The Carnival, which was this really great two-piece. Uh, I always kind of describe it as Panic at the Disco meets like Danny Elfman. 
It's a fair assessment. <laughs> yeah, that's and, a well a good description. <laughs> yeah, and I really loved it. I loved it, and I was like, this is so cool. So then in 2011, I actually released an album called Three Tales of the Macabre, which was a really short punk rock length uh, nine-minute EP of uh, you know three sort of uh, different stories told within a you know just a quick time frame. At that point, Wendell got on, on board with that and said, dude, that's so cool. I love this album. Would you want to do this with me next year? And I was like, yes, that sounds like a lot of fun. So in 2012, we uh, released our first album, which was called Twisted Tales and Scary Stories. In 2013, we released our follow-up, the WTF Paranormal Agency. And in 2014, we released Green Hill Manor, which is the album we're basing our, our theme park off of today. And uh, we essentially began creating this, this mythical place called Green Hill Point, where crazy stuff just seems to happen around Halloween or on Halloween throughout its history. And, and each album is a chapter in the history of Green Hill Point. And the, the idea behind it was... Because Green Hill Point had become such a tourist hotspot for people on Halloween, uh, one of the residents of Green Hill Point decided to capitalize on this and build a theme park where every day was Halloween and, and see if he could make some money doing it. And uh, he was a, a wealthy billionaire named Carl Ellersby, and uh, that's our, our third album. We, uh, we take you there uh, via audio <laughs> on our third album. Yeah, and, and it's an awesome album. It's a great listen. It's, it's really good for that kind of you know Halloween kind of creepy vibe without being too scary. It's not like a, a horror film soundtrack or anything. Like you said, it's kind of like fun Halloween music. It's the, the bright side of Halloween. If someone was interested in this album, um, where might they find it? Yeah, you can head to uh, our website, sideshowsoundtheater.com. You can find all the links to our albums there. You can also stream them. Um, and then if you want to head straight to our Bandcamp page, sightsoundtheater.bandcamp.com, that's theater spelt the British way with Ari at the end. And yeah, you know, we invite you to do so. Actually, right now, we still have a 50% a discount on all our albums going on. So if you want to buy a whole discography, that's five albums and one Christmas single, you can uh, do that for, I think, around about $19. So yeah, do it. It's worth it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great value. It's it's really great music. And, Thank um, you, man. you know, having listened to you guys kind of analyze film scores and TV scores and uh, theme park scores even, really, um, I definitely value as, as, like, experts in the field. But then when, you know, when I finally, like, started listening to your music that you've created either in the past or, you know, at your present uh, status, it's like, it's awesome. It's like, man, Thank these guys so can't just talk the talk. They can also walk the walk. first uh, track is called the grand reopening and this just the name itself is captivating you know you hear grand opening that's that's a, a nice phrase that we use all the time but reopening what does that mean exactly where does the re come from pray tell master shall William. i ex <laughs> shall oh okay so i'll explain okay <laughs> all right so uh so part of the mythos uh uh involving this this park is that well first of all it was built in 1954 um, by, by, as I said, Carl Ellersby. Mm -hmm. And it operated for a, a really long period of time. It was a huge hit in Green Hill Point. But in 2009, they actually debuted a new attraction, which we'll get to towards the end of this, called Off the Rails. And it was sort of the big, you know, new high-tech thing. 
uh, a thrill attraction that would blow everybody's mind. Well, when they were soft previewing it in 2009, five people actually disappeared <laughs> while wow. riding it. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, so so they uh, if you were if you're viewing this from the CCTV cameras that the ride operators would see, you would see the ride vehicle entering a tunnel where the cameras couldn't go, and when the ride uh, when the vehicle emerged 2.5 seconds later, the passengers were gone without a trace. <laughs> and so, uh, understandably, this led to the park's closure, safety investigations, police investigations, and. The park was found not to be at fault because there was never any trace of these people <laughs> ever having existed in the first place. So the Whoa. park reopens in uh, at the beginning of our album in 2014. And the album, I should also mention, is a, is a mix of diegetic and non-diegetic. So mm -hmm. the majority of what you hear is in-world, but there are certain aspects to the album, like this track and the last track, where it, it's it's sort of being written as, a, as you know an opening credit to a movie. And so this is basically the main title. And we are landing in our story the day the park reopens, essentially. So this is the grand reopening. And uh, that's how we named it as such, or why we named it as such, I should say. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. And, and for me, you know, just as a listener, you know, someone who wasn't involved in the creative process at all, I, I felt like the first kind of like 30 seconds, I can kind of, the, the sounds make me feel like there's a lot of kind of like shadows and like movement going around. And then once you get to like, up to the one minute mark, it starts to feel like more kind of heroic and more like um, it's a little bit less creepy, more comfortable. And then it starts to get a little bit, you know, creepier, more like whimsical again around the two minute mark when you get to the kind of like there's this like kind of secret passage kind of vibe about it. And I really like that. It kind of ebbs and flows as far as like what is going on here. OK, things are OK. Wait a minute. What's going on here? It's it's kind of an <laughs> exciting uh, back and forth that I really enjoy in this first track. So cool to hear that. Track two is the park comes to life. And this is kind of a cool, you know, combination of, of like kind of horror slash uh, kind of Frankenstein-y and kind of things where things are, you know, coming to life animating. But also, hey, it's just where someone flipped the lights on at the theme park. You know, it's getting to be, you know, dusk and we got to turn the lights on to the uh, the attraction. So it's, it's a, a cool, like, you know, it's a catchy title. The park comes to life. I really like this one. And uh, this this song in particular... Uh, really kind of set the, the pace for me as far as what to expect from the album. I really loved that. Was there anything you had in mind in particular when you were coming up with this track? Yes, actually. Um, I'm so glad that you, you mentioned Lights Coming yeah. On because uh, <laughs> that is... <laughs> um, this is a track that I specifically wrote and uh, our, our writing process is all over the place. Uh, Wendell wrote a good portion of the track we just talked about, but, we, but then I took this track. So, so with this track what i was imagining as i was writing the music was you know lights kind of turning on and various points syn synchronized with the music so if you were standing on the main street look looking down towards the end of the park lights would be kind of coming on uh you know from 100 feet away from 10 feet away just as as the music kind of ebbs and flows and this is actually a, a nightly event as you said when when the sun goes down um mm -hmm. the whole park is dark 
and the lights start coming on and the park comes to life. And it's meant to evoke that sort of feeling of, of, you know, faux magic, if you like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's obviously a production, but it's meant to be sort of supernatural in the way they present it in the park. And, and uh, I'm so glad that, that you picked up on the light. Yeah, cause I've cool. always wondered if that played. <laughs> that's, yeah, that, that was the vibe I got from it. Um, definitely. I got this kind of, you know, Luigi's Mansion kind of Danny Elfman. Like this, this kind of pulls influence from things I truly love and kind of puts it into a specific location. I really like that. I feel like so many albums aren't designed with a, a location in mind. You know, it's kind of an unusual thing, but it really adds yeah. a certain, you know, connective tissue between all the tracks. And I thought that was really cool. But, um, so us being here, you know, designing a theme park together, it's kind of like we are taking this park that you guys designed and like bringing it to life, you know, kind of trying to enhance it in any way that we can or build it up a little bit more. And so, you know, this track kind of kind of echoes that sentiment, you know, the park comes to life. It's funny that we have we both have uh, different ideas, but the same ideas. Obviously, when we write these tracks, we envision, a, you know, a story that we've constructed together in our heads. And, and at the same time to hear your take on it that's exactly the same that's awesome <laughs> yeah it is awesome I think, yeah i think it's true it's like a very blossoming track So basically, we've we've just walked into the park so far. You know, we've seen the lights come on, and then we get to track three, which is Creepy Carousel. I kind of got some sort of circus kind of parade type of vibes off this one. It felt almost um, like cartoony, like, you know, kind of circus music, how it's really up-tempo and kind of like the theme uh, of this show, actually, the Amusement Sparks theme. I wanted it to sound kind of like old-timey amusement park, you know, kind of like a circus or a, a parade, this kind of vibe. This is not your mommy and daddy's carousel at all. <laughs> not at all. I mean, the clue's right there in the title. Yeah, I, I, I came to Will with this track because I... We love alliteration at Sideshow, if it wasn't obvious. Um, <laughs> it is all over everything we do. But but I was so inspired both of us in fact by the um the musical the the carousel musical by by hammerstein um oscar hammerstein mm -hmm. um that 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 whole piece of music that uh, that uh, rogers wrote for that film it was so so breathtaking it's one of my favorite pieces of music and a lot of this track was kind of designed around the structure of that track at least at least for the first half so with this carousel the way i envisioned it is not necessarily outside but internal inside a building mm -hmm. you know i wanted it to be you know very kind of black and dark and and again not to quote harry harry potter too much but that kind of bewitched ceiling above <laughs> so mm -hmm. the difference is is that at some point during the ride during the most scarier moments while you are on this carousel i mean these are no you know prince charming horses these are black horses with red eyes and i imagine you know you know smoke coming from their, their their nostrils and things like this and then i imagine that at some point during the ride the carousel opens kind of blossoms out um and 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 moves you so the whole carousel moves itself through this Whoa. this ride and and it's more kind of uh, dark and enchanting and kind of you know very um 
you know, very sinister, like all sideshow theme park attractions should be. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I I love that. And I love um, kind of reimagining this, you know, just classic uh, theme park attraction as, as a new way, you know, where you can, you can change the, the vibe of it and make it start moving around. You know, when you sit down on one of those horses, you're not expecting the whole carousel to kind of get up and move around, but it totally could. That'd be awesome, <laughs> especially if the uh, if the queue area is not within view of the attraction, you know, so you don't see the previous people riding it where it comes up and kind of comes to life and moves around. Right. That'd be, oh, man, I'm getting giddy. That's that's really fun. <laughs> well, one of the one of the inspirations for the actual ride system, actually, if I can get technical and weird for a second, <laughs> please do. Yes, this is the show to do it. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I don't get an out. Op- yeah, I'll never have this opportunity again, probably. So. <laughs> Uh, we we actually got really we had conversations before we even wrote a note of this album uh, about the rides and what would happen on these rides and what kind of technology you could use for these rides and all sorts of things. So the inspiration, as I understand it, and Wendell, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong because oh, I will. <laughs> this no, was I'm a kidding. track that, that you started. <laughs> uh, because as is our practice, uh, we will often oftentimes appear together on the same track. So in this track, I believe Wendell takes the first half. I take the second yeah, half. That's true. Yeah, is that yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah. Am I right? Absolutely. about that. Okay. The ride system for Twilight Zone Tower of Terror uh, has always really intrigued me. And what's great about that is it's, it's I believe it's called Fly By Wire. I, I'm, I'm probably so wrong, and one of your listeners will probably be writing an angry tweet right now. But, but there's a, you know, basically the way that ride works is there's a there's a line of sensors under the floor, mm-hmm. and the actual ride vehicle itself can move through the space three dimensionally, without being tethered to anything because it's basically just being guided, you know, uh, through radio waves, you know, wow. with with these sensors on the floor. I've always I've always imagined that this carousel that you ride, this ride vehicle, is an is in itself a an actual carousel within a show building. Cool. But it it but it actually goes through a physical space. It actually changes scenery and and projections and stuff like that. So it's dynamic in that way. That's great. Um, that was actually one of the notes I had written down for this song. Is um, you know maybe towards the the end or the second half, it kind of seems to kind of go back and forth between this kind of dark and light kind of uh, tonality where it. It seems yeah. to go, like, in my imagination when I was just listening to this, you know, just walking around, um, I imagined it kind of going from, from a public kind of tone to, like, a more private, uh, more personal kind of thing. So it kind of switches back and forth between these two modes. And I thought it'd be kind of cool if... But my original idea was just to have half of the ride, half the carousel being in darkness and half of it being in light. So you're going, Ooh. you know, into the darkness, like, by yourself a little bit spookier, but then you can come outside and you can see other people around. Oh, hey, it's just a theme park, nothing too crazy here. But if it's indoors, though, I mean, you can really, you know, turn it up to 11 a little bit, like change it so that the every time you go around, it's a totally different experience with it. You know, there yeah. could be projections on the walls. You could change all the way that the lighting works. Um, even though, you know, the eye color of the horses could change. All oh, totally. Well, have it, the, something know? that would play to that. And I know that's a great idea. We're so doing that. We'll write that down. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the The beauty of this attraction is that you know, carousels by their very nature will always, always have music as part of the ride. So, you know, when mm-hmm. I was em- em- envisioning this, it, it had to have that kind of, um, you know, that theater organ, that circus sound, you know, those kind of old barrel organs that play by themselves. It it had to have that sound. So that's what we were going for. But uh, the way I envisioned it, and 
it's an, an interesting fact about carousels because we have a, a, a lot of them back in back in England. Um, I haven't seen any in Mexico. Um, get on that, Mexico, seriously. Mm. Um, but <laughs> back in England, um, well, we call them kind of merry-go-rounds, which is funny in itself because the first word is merry. But um, <laughs> that's <laughs> so British. The merry-go-rounds in in the UK always turn clockwise. The merry-go-rounds or the the carousels in North America always go anti-clockwise. What I would like to do on, on, on our ride is to go both ways mm. in the same way that the best kind of attractions do, how they will start going one way and then suddenly switch and go the other and then we're back again and <laughs> just constantly switching with the music. That's how I, I imagine it. So it's not a pleasant, maybe it starts off pleasantly going around in a circle like any mm -hmm. other attraction, like you said, and, and people outside can kind of view in through the windows or the ride itself comes out in exterior moments, you know. But, mm -hmm. but I think that, that as the ride develops, you know, it starts twisting and turning and really making you feel sick again which is what every sideshow attraction should do <laughs> <laughs> that sounds that sounds awesome and, and if we want to kind of switch from being like in the public to you know this kind of enclosed room where we can do all kinds of crazy effects it'd be kind of neat mm. if the actual carousel was you know above ground and then as it starts going it starts like maybe slowly descending underground and then you have this uh this underground mm. area where you can kind of you know swing the the attraction around and go through all the different effects and the people watching are just like, oh, it just kind of goes down underground and then it comes back up. Um, but then, you know, of course, there'd be like the screams of the people on the ride coming up. <laughs> it'd be really fun. <laughs> awesome. I, ne I never thought of that before. That's I cool. love that idea, actually, because you, you managed to take it from being already super dynamic to being more dynamic because you're going outside now. There's, you know? there's yeah. a lot of possibilities with this carousel, seriously. As far as the, the track listing, this, this is where it kind of starts to get a little bit operatic and you can kind of feel like there's a story here. And I think that being able to, you could definitely tell a bit of a story or kind of the way that, you know, Disney uh, attractions do it where there's not really a clear-cut story, but there's certain characters and there's like, you know, a basic plot arc. Just kind of introducing characters would be pretty pretty straightforward and we can have them kind of make cameos throughout the park. And I think that the return visitors would really get a kick out of finding these, you know, hidden pieces of story that are kind of woven in between the, in between the rides. And It'd be kind of cool. Um, you know, maybe it could incorporate some of the, the story elements of, like, those people who disappeared off of the ride, you know? Like, were they ghosts? Or, like, yeah. where did they go? And you could kind of include certain things like that. Like, you know, maybe there's, um, I, I don't know, this kind of seems a little bit goofy, but maybe there's a person on the carousel who is someone who actually works for the park. And once it starts to descend and kind of get a little bit crazy, their horse just kind of like jumps off the ride and like that person's just gone and everyone's like this guy was sitting next to me on this oh, attraction and he's gone awesome. now <laughs> just really oh, disorient people man. if the you know going underground and uh the whole thing moving and then also the horses changing directions or whatever that's not disorienting enough you know we can actually have people disappear off the ride as you're on it <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, that is the cool. I'm not. Just, I'm not just saying that because I'm a guest on your show. That is such a. That is such a rad idea. Having a, having like a like a sort of undercover. Yeah. Cast it's like the rebel spy on just, Star Tours, right? Yeah. But 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 way yeah. better. <laughs> way better.
next track here, number four, is Mountains of the Macabre. And, uh, yeah, so for this one, it kind of, I got, oh, what's the name of the song? It's Hall of the Mountain King, I think. Is that the name of that track? Mm, the song, yeah. the famous piece. That's one of my favorite uh, pieces of, like, classical music. And I got certain little notes of that where there's these kind of, like, almost mischievous um, little, like, kind of footstep type of of sounds like it just it's a really cool vibe for me it's hard for me to describe because it's something i've loved i've loved that song since i first heard it when i was you know four or five and um it's it's there's something fascinating about it and i think that mountains of the macabre gets a kind of similar vibe to it this is one that i started um this is uh in fact i should preface this by saying what one thing that wendell and i try to do at least once on every album is have a track where we have a musical conversation between one another Mm -hmm. um where one guy will start a phrase and the next guy will then come in and respond to the phrase. And then the other guy will come back and respond to that phrase and wow. on and on and on it goes. It's, it's something that hopefully no one notices, but it's something that's like kind of really important to us. <laughs> so, yeah. That sounds really fun to write too. Th- it's amazing. Oh, there, it is. there are it's sections so on this track where there is literally two seconds of my music and then it goes back to Will for two seconds and then back to me. And I, <laughs> and I mean two seconds, you know, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. really small. Yeah. So it's, a lot of fun to write like that. I, I, I really enjoy it. But this is actually – so this is an idea that I started. And, uh, and yeah, you know, it's funny. Hall of the Mountain King was an influence on this, specifically the, the tiptoeing kind of nature of it. But this is actually a walkthrough area within Greenhill Manor. And uh, cool. it's basically just a, a place where, you know, the restroom is. There's gift shops in there. There are little, uh, you know, uh, food carts and things like that. But it's just mm-hmm. these big, creepy – mountains that you can walk through and kind of sit down and relax and you know um, every every theme park needs a place like like this oh absolutely where you know you get away from the hustle and bustle you don't have to wait in line you can just kind of look at stuff there's there's fantastic you know lighting effects on the mountains at nighttime and uh just a just a really peaceful yet creepy place to go hang out (laughs) that sounds peaceful yet creepy i love that and that's that's kind of the vibe that i was getting from the first couple tracks on this album it's like you know welcome but beware you know it's it's comforting but comforting in its creepiness I, I think that fits in here too as well what kind of like environment is it in in um green hill point like are there mountains are there a lot of mountains in I'm this area so glad you asked that question <laughs> yeah i'm so glad you asked that question <laughs> because um wendell and i've had many conversations about it it is basically a seaside village uh a la martha's vineyard Mm-hmm. That kind of that kind of place. So you would have rolling hills and things like that, but you also would have like cliff faces overlooking the ocean, and, and that plays very much into a into our our very next album that we did in 2015, Thunder Bay Hotel, um, which takes place in a completely different section of Green Hill Point. But uh, yeah, so so this area would be would, would already have naturally occurring you know hilltops and sort of rolling landscape and and the uh the, the park designers would have played into that when constructing these these uh these mountains on top of them and you know they're i, I kind of envision it's just you know creepy dead trees and you know uh you know pumpkin patches i love just having a rest area and you know you could display the jack-o'-lanterns that people have been making and if it's it's Halloween every day. You got to make fresh jack-o'-lanterns, you know, every week. Exactly. So <laughs> a place to display those would be awesome. You said that this area might even have some souvenir shops, and including the next track here, number yes. five, the Music Box Souvenir Shop. Mm-hmm. 
this was kind of a, a different it's kind of like a a break from from the action of this album in my opinion it's it's up tempo not that it's like totally relaxing but it's it's got this kind of you know music box feel to it. it it feels like really pure and kind of hopeful and and innocent and it's it doesn't seem to have much creepiness at all which i kind of which is almost creepy in and of itself you know it's it's like if you're walking through a haunted house <laughs> and there's something that seems totally natural you're like what is that thing gonna do it's gonna jump out and scare me and then nothing happens you know it's just like it puts you on the edge of your seat for no reason it's just a nice you know up-tempo fun music box piece of music <laughs> it's awesome well i i wrote this um and and sent it to Wendell just just to see what his reaction would be to it, and and I think he was like, cool, put that let's put that on the album. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just I, the very simple concept. I, I kind of feel like this is the big sort of if you compared it to anything, it would be like the world of Disney, you know, in downtown Disney and that kind of thing, where it's just mm-hmm. this is where you go to get merch, you know, right. if you're at Green Hill Manor. Yeah. And uh, just a big shop. And this is just the, the loop that plays, you know, while you're in there. It's an awesome song. I really like this one. You know, you. at this point in the album, I was like. This is a change of pace, and I, I really, I really like it. I, I love the sound of a of a music box anyway, but it's a it's a well written piece. It's it's very enjoyable. Next is Ride of the Headless Horseman. So I'm assuming that we're we're exiting the gift shop at this point, the and we are back into the park yes. proper. This this track I could see it on a film trailer for you know an action movie for sure. It's it's got this kind of like anti-hero kind of gritty modern vibe to it, where it's got this sort of complex, almost like chaotic feel to it, and then it suddenly like snaps into like action and like a a march almost. I, I really love this one. This one really gets the blood boiling. So it's it's really exciting to kind of have those first four and then you go into the music box and then you come out with Ride of the Headless Horseman. And it's like, we're off to the races. Basically, in this ride, you are Ichabod Crane. And you are, you know, you start uh, on, in your ride vehicle. Obviously, this isn't a show building. So, you know, you start in your ride vehicle and you're going, you're very slowly going through Sleepy Hollow. And then, of course, as we all know, the uh, Headless Horseman appears and you need to escape <laughs> without losing your head. And, and the, uh, the, the, the whole point of it is to get over the bridge because everybody knows once you cross that bridge, my friend, the ghost is through his power ends or whatever the saying is. <laughs> um, and it doesn't end well for you. And that's basically the ride. <laughs> so you're being chased and, and just behind you, there is the uh, horrific vision of the headless horseman on his on his steed and they are getting closer and closer and closer to you as you move at speed probably 30 to 40 miles an hour in your ride vehicle so yeah that's uh, awesome. I, I really really wish this existed <laughs> yeah and do you want it to incorporate you know the the like river at the end do you want it to somehow jump across the river Ooh. or jump into it or just kind of end right up right before you get to it it kind of like you're waking up from a dream I like your idea. I think I think that adds an extra like, especially at the end, if you can go airborne, even <laughs> yeah, wouldn't <laughs> some, that be cool in some way? <laughs> oh man, like where you you do your your ride vehicle somehow executes like a thirty foot 
jump. I, you know, <laughs> I mean, obviously, be suspended or something. But that would right. be incredible. Yeah, that'd be really so, fun. You kind of oh. escape by the you know the, the skin of your teeth or whatever that expression is. Yeah, skin of your teeth. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds exciting. It's oh. it's a really fun up tempo track, and I like the idea of it being a chase sequence. That's awesome. Um, yeah. For your version of the headless horseman, do you see him having? a jack-o'-lantern companion or is he just a guy with no oh, head? Yeah. yeah the jack-o'-lantern because oh, um yeah. when we were oh, talking yeah. about jack-o'-lanterns and you know i'm just looking at the album artwork here i was like it'd be cool if you had you know kind of like jack-o'-lantern contests and then you know maybe the scariest one gets to be used for the headless horseman's jack-o'-lantern for you know that day or that weekend or whatever that'd be oh. a pretty exciting incentive there it is right there. <laughs> wouldn't that be cool that is awesome that is such a good idea yeah because <laughs> And, and then if you rode the ride, knowing that that's your jackal, yeah, yeah, that'd be amazing. I mean, you would just would be, be like awesome. turning around trying to take a picture of him the whole time. <laughs> that's my jack lantern. Yeah. Okay, I guess we'll we'll let oh, them take a, their picture thing. with the with the headless horseman before uh, you know it decomposes or anything <laughs> before he kills you <laughs> <laughs> or that <laughs> before he kills you. <laughs> oh man, that was a good one. This is perhaps the scariest part of the album so it should be the same in the parks as well i think the jack lantern idea is mm-hmm. great i actually I, I love the idea in the um the batman episode you you, you had with nathan and greg mm-hmm. of of getting to um you know meet characters or having like access to a secret menu at a restaurant because you've been loyal to the park you've visited so many times you know you've, you've spent yeah, so you've much earned money it. yeah i think i so i think with with that in mind, I always like the idea, and we'll, we'll get to some restaurants in, in later tracks, but I, I always like the idea of having um, like a, a, you know, maybe a hidden secret restaurant called Frank and Dine. Um, <laughs> and actually, I sent many, many moons ago, I sent Will like the whole menu, like we have it, just a counter service restaurant, you know, you could have... Um, Instead of like coffee cream pie, you could have coffee scream pie. So many things. Like the the, the ideas are so are many endless. possibilities. It's this so was fun. the one painful thing about doing this album. He came up with this incredible concept for Frankendine, and, and mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we just could not find a way to make it play on the album, or we yeah, just ran out of time. Sense. One of the two. <laughs> right, right. And uh, it was like, but it, but in our in our you know in our mind, it's still there. <laughs> we just yeah, didn't absolutely. do a track on it because well, no, yeah, totally. it's a hidden attraction. I mean, he went so in depth. He. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, uh, it might be a bonus track on a re-release in the future. In fact, it probably Ooh. should be. We should probably get on. Yeah, that. oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, there'll definitely be some kind of archive where we expand on this stuff and put out, put out some menus and things. Why not? I would love to do that. will be track seven twisted tales tavern i really love the title of this one by the way but um this one is i I believe it's the first occurrence of of hearing like a crowd in the Mm. in the track you know you can hear other people visiting the park and i think that kind of helps to to uh, ground it 
again, you know, after like the thrilling chase of the ride of the headless horseman, it's like, okay, we're back with civilization here. We're back at a theme park again. Yeah. That, that is all Will's hand as well. Like he is a mass. I mean, everyone knows anything you hear at Sideshow pretty much 99% is, is Will's magical editing hands as I'm going to call them. Um, <laughs> like he, but he's very good at crafting these like sounds because I, when it came to this album, you know, in, in trying to sell this world, what we really thought was a good idea was to, to, to just add these sounds in there. You know, we, we could have gone overboard with them, but just to sell this world and story a little more, mm-hmm. and like you say, Andrew, just ground it in a place, um, we felt that, yeah. would, that would really help. And certainly the next few tracks have that. So um, awesome. Yeah. Tell, tell us what's inside, Will. Lead us through the door. <laughs> okay. Well... This is also where I believe it was the first time in our discography where we were actually able to reference uh, stuff from our first album. Um, our first album is actually called Twisted Tales and Scary Stories. And mm-hmm. so I came to Wendell one day and I was like, what do we have two restaurants? One's called the Twisted Tales Tavern and one's called the Scary Stories Saloon, which we'll get to uh, later on in the episode. Yeah. Of course. Um, the, the, what's interesting about this tavern is there is an organist... And he is playing the first three melodies you hear on our first album. Oh, cool. So, and then when you get to Scary Stories Saloon, there is a, a pianist who is playing the last three melodies from that first album. So it's actually like a little Easter egg within an oh, Easter egg there. That's um, great. So just to keep it kind of in world, you right. know, and sort of keep it kind of fun and stuff. So, yeah, what's happening in this restaurant is it's basically just your, your run-of-the-mill counter service restaurant, but it's... It's kind of based on like a like a creepy forest inside. So you've got, you know, I kind of envision trees growing within the structure and y- the tables are kind of part of the trees and part of the foliage. And you've got crows in the trees and and uh, just a, a generally, again, peaceful but creepy vibe. <laughs> I like that. It kind of reminds me of like Rainforest Cafe if it was like Halloween themed. Like, yes. That sounds awesome. are ready for the ghost train it's it's a really fun track it's you know kind of accelerating it gets into some some pretty intense action and again this one sounds like a trailer for an action movie i came to will and said you know well we need we need a ghost train because that is always my favorite part of anything <laughs> especially in the uk so like we need it i you know maybe it's it's a little you know too on the nose of that title but but you know honestly this is um this is exactly what you said you know it's 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 about musically recreating a train you know and yes we have the sound effects in there too but just you know picking up the pace and i and i think you have to be very clever when you have that idea you have to approach it in a in a in a smarter way because it's it's very easy to recreate a train you know it's very rhythmic in nature Mm -hmm. once it's going over the sleepers you know it's very it's very easy to do that but then to do it musically and not just have the percussion section taken over is 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 difficult so i i I wanted to approach it that way but make it as musical as possible at the same time um and then like i said just play around with the speed and the dynamics but i mean this is essentially not necessarily right but just taking you from one section of the park to the other so yeah and again you know will's editing 
editing magic. Expand on that, brother. Expand on that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually recorded uh, uh, audio of trains locally, huh. and uh, and and because there's a train station, you know, less than two miles from where I live, so. Um, got all kinds of juicy audio there. Uh, trains are great places to get audio, by the way. <laughs> cool. Um, even if you're on one. Um, I walked around with my iPhone last year when I was on a trip to Orlando and just recorded hours and hours and hours of ambient train audio and manipulated it into a score I was working on because it's just so it's, dynamic. It's it is such, such a, a cool sound. sound. Yeah. I was floored when I heard this track. Like I was just grinning ear to ear once it started picking up. I was like, oh, that's this so is cool so hear. exciting. <laughs> So cool to hear. And there's actually another Easter egg in this that oh, cool. uh, I Wendell probably doesn't even remember me doing this, but um, <laughs> there's a section where the train actually goes underground. Now, this was the big attraction when the park opened in the 50s. This mm. was the big like, oh, we've got a ghost train that goes underground and it's a big steam <laughs> you know, engine. Um, and uh, <laughs> one of the things that this train does is it actually goes below the park into a series of tunnels. And, and that's and I, and I hope it plays when you hear the uh, the track itself. But when you're in these tunnels, that's when things get really creepy. You've got projections all over the walls and they're oh. flying, you know, you're flying through this sort of like three dimensional space and, and, and then it comes back out and you're back on top of the park again. And, you know, but for the underground segment, what I thought would be really cool was to actually go back to the music that Wendell did before we were sideshow and the music that I did before we were sideshow. Mm. So what you actually hear uh, as you go under into the, the tunnel system under the park is Wendell's music from the carnival reversed Wow. And one of the tracks from my my album that predated this one, um, Three Tales of the Macabre, reversed. Oh, that's and sort awesome. of mashed together into this weird, yeah. <laughs> so I thought that would be kind of kind of kind of crazy. And and you know, again, no one's ever going to pick up on that. But well, they are now. You know. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> yeah, hopefully, <laughs> true fans will go through the theme park, record the audio, play it backwards, and then post it on the internet. So so the truth will get out there eventually yeah. so the more details you can hide in the the structure like it's just going to make the the fans even more fanatical so that's great i love that <laughs> Jungle Jeebies. And uh, this title made me like laugh out loud when I first heard it. <laughs> I had never heard the word Jeebies outside the context of heebie-jeebies. But, uh, right. <laughs> where did the Again, title that's come a alliteration. If you have heard our podcast, you've heard me say heebie-jeebies about a thousand times. I love That's my favorite American English idiom, seriously. <laughs> it's a great one. And I didn't know if, uh, if there was you know, a British version where you can just use Jeebies by itself, but now that I see the alliteration, that makes sense. Jungle there we Jeebies. go. <laughs> Jungle Jeebies. This is another kind of different atmospheric track that kind of, it's got this vibe of like hidden ruins. It's kind of got an Indiana Jones type of vibe, which I personally am just crazy about. There's a, it definitely continues like the kind of mysterious feel, but it feels like you're in a jungle now. It almost reminds me of um, Uncharted, which is one of my favorite video game series oh, because nice. it's got this kind of like, you know, chanting parts. And then there's just like the kind of nat natural jungle sounds as well. And, um, but it maintains the kind of mystery of, of the rest of the park, the rest of the album. I'm pretty sure that I came to Will with the, the name. That sounds like a thing I would do. And then he, <laughs> he, 
crafted this really cool instrumentation, especially around this dulcimer. Um, he created this really mm-hmm. strong motif that I could, um, as he often does, <laughs> that I could just run with and go to town with. Which, So, again, this is kind of, you know, half of it is, is Will's opening, and then the, the last half is just me coming in and going, nuts and hopefully it works uh, <laughs> it was a it was a chance to again include some really cool jungle sounds like you said uncharted yeah that's mm-hmm. a good a good reference the end of this gets a little bit crazy you know there's like a, a chase kind of feel to it and kind of the way that you had envisioned the ride of the headless horseman i feel like my interpretation of this ride would have you know basically like an exploration for the beginning and then it just kind of snaps into a chase and you have to run all the way back to the beginning of uh back to the entrance you know um yeah the the chase part of yeah, it really totally. excited me did you ever envision what would be the thing that's that's chasing them or did you see that as a chase at the end yeah i certainly saw it as a as a, as a chase i mean there's this chase is all over this and i think that comes from just us as composers you know loving to play to play around with rhythm and and tempo just the speed of the track you know not necessarily just having a track that plods along i mean there's definitely room for that and there's certainly tracks on this album that use that Mm -hmm. but 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 this one yeah i mean it's definitely taking you know a leaf um i guess that's the best expression uh, <laughs> a leaf out of, of jungle cruises <laughs> uh jungle uh <laughs> because the mm. you know it definitely has to start off very very slow but then there's the moment where it's uh-oh what's happening <laughs> so <Yep. laughs> I, w- with this you know i in, instead of imagining like a story being told because i mean at least the way they have it on jungle cruise it's very kind of you know tongue-in-cheek that's what that ride's all about you know all the jokes and the puns and um but again it it had to feel sinister for me for me when i go to a to a park there's a lot of scary roller coasters across the world you know with with very very dark brooding themes but there's never like a water ride that's scary you know you don't get on the rapids and expect a fright, you know? And I'm not saying you should do. I think (laughs) it's a nice relaxing experience, you know? You don't want to go around Typhoon Lagoon, you know, watching out for your neck. Um, So (laughs) I think, um, seriously, with with this one, you know, I always imagined, you know, a boat behind you chasing you, because this is definitely, you know, Mm. going across the water. water. Um, You know, uh, and I mean really chasing you, not just... It, it's coming at two miles an hour like Terminator and it's pretty obvious it's never going to reach you. You know, the, <laughs> it's really going at it. Um, so the the it, it definitely features a lot of animals as you can hear on the track. Um, so I imagine this, this, this boat not necessarily wanting to chase you but just kind of drumming up support from these animals and trying to create a stampede that will eventually, you know, cause the, the capsize of your boat or what have you. So um, that's how I imagined cool. it. And, and, and it's... It, the way it went is totally down to Will's instrumentation because it gave me a palette to work off of. You know, I could include some uh, wooden blocks and um, anklungs, these kind of bamboo tubes from, from Asia, just these really cool um, sounds and instrumentation that also gives this park, you know, uh, uh, if we are to divide this park into lands, then this would certainly be the, the main feature of one of them, <laughs> for sure. I want to say for the record, Wendell's section on this track is literally my favorite part of the entire album. It's wow. such a fun, insane, like, just, you know, because I'd written my part, and I was feeling pretty good about my part, and I was just <laughs> wondering, like, what is, what is he going to do with it? Yeah. And he goes completely off the deep end with it in the uh-huh. best way possible. I mean, I think it's the most fun part of the entire album. I really do. It's just bananas. Like it's, 
nuts. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> for the for the listener, if you haven't heard this album, you know, you might think that it's going to be just kind of a bunch of amusement park music because it is music for an, an, an amusement park. But there are a lot of really like thrilling uh, songs. There's a lot of really fun pieces of this that just made me like grin ear to ear and like want to just go run around and like uh, experience this park because it, I don't know the music is so so exciting and like adds to the action so much that I can only imagine what the visuals would look like and it's it's just great fuel for the imagination on this this track uh in particular it's it's awesome so fun awesome. yeah thank you oh, thank I, you so much it's great to sure. hear that yeah, seriously. seriously I actually hadn't envisioned it as a water ride which is kind of interesting but I I love that it ah. is a water ride because then the person you know the the guest is a lot less powerful like there's a lot less ways they can run because they're stuck on a boat you know and right, I, I feel exactly. like in Jungle Cruise and you know so many rides it's like the boat doesn't feel like a limitation but it really is especially you know towards the end of the track when things start to get a little bit crazy you know maybe there's there's alligators coming out or and they could also like start a uh, um, what's it called a wave generator going like maybe the waters are really calm at first Whoa, and then the waves start to get really crazy and yeah, so I'm I'm picturing the boat would want to be on a track, you know, like with a, a robotic arm holding it so that you don't actually capsize, but you could really um, choreograph the waves to splash and hit just the perfect angle so that they really send a lot of water up in the air and like really feel intense like your boat is like really in trouble and you really got to get out of here. You could really add to the action. And yeah, I mean, with, with um, kind of like Ghost Train going the way that it went and Ride of the Headless Horseman and Jungle Jeebies, there's a similar you know arc to the story where it's i'm okay with this and then you know you start to get a little bit scared and then things just snap and get really wild and you have to get out of there i I really love that vibe and i think that um that's something that would be really exciting for the park guests totally it's uh, it's great you kind of get the best of both worlds of the the comfort and also the the fear which is something we said at the very you know beginning of of our tour of the park with uh like the park comes to life how it keeps going there's like kind of creepy but it's also comforting and goes back and forth i think that's definitely a, an overarching theme here i really love that. for sure yeah but i think with this right particularly you you touched on something that's that's kind of very interesting because the 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 whole jungle scenario those big giant leaves that that you find in rainforests you, you know it, it gives you the opportunity with the, the curves and bends in the river to 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 really log you into that full sense of security and just, you know, build up the suspense and anticipation, you know, this whole idea of what is behind the corner, which is very horror movie vibe in itself. You know, I don't think that's that's necessarily something that is uh, spoken about a lot about the, the Jungle Cruise in particular, but at least with, with Jungle Jeep, that's, <laughs> that's definitely what we're going for. <laughs> totally. And, and a lot of the, the, like, ride vehicles seem very theme parky when you're going through those kind of, like, um, scary attractions you know it's you're not walking of your own free will so it doesn't necessarily feel natural which kind of takes away from the scariness of it but if you're on a boat that's what being on a boat is you know like you're not in control you can't just walk wherever you want to or run away if something bad happens it's you're stuck on this ride vehicle so um i think that that naturally goes with a kind of you know scary uh ride because you're you're controlling yeah. where every single guest is going i love that so does the ghost train go to the Jungle Jeebies, like to this other location where there is a jungle? Yes, actually it does. That was a discussion that we had. Yeah, um, it it's it makes stops at, at all the major attractions that you'd want to visit. So off the rails, it would it would stop at it would definitely stop at the mountains of the Macabre, uh, 
chasing Frankenstein, which we'll get to. Yeah, it yep. makes stops at all of them, or at least cool. in the general area. Yeah. Right. All of them. That's awesome. Yeah. Does the ghost train go through our next track, the Tunnel of Fear, or is this a water attraction? This is another water attraction, actually. That's what I was picturing, you know, kind of the Tunnel of Love, the Tunnel of Fear, it kind of like makes yes, sense. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I got that. Yeah. <laughs> we we just had a conversation today. I'm like, does that play too? Oh, absolutely. Let's find out. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, so this this track, as for my interpretation, kind of has like a, a slow build to it, and it kind of gives me like a vibe of like, reflecting on history for some reason so this might be an interesting place mm. to kind of tell more story of the park and then there's a little bit of like a cameo of the uh the music box which i really appreciated like i don't know if it was yeah. direct you know musical like the exact notes and everything but it was definitely kind of a nod to that i thought and i was like oh cool so i'm kind of starting to feel like echoes of kind of these characters of the different parts of the park that we've experienced if we can kind of treat them as their own character we're starting to see like you know, the connections between the different attractions. That's very well spotted, my friend. <laughs> that's, <laughs> well, thanks. That's kind of exactly what we're going for. It, it, well, you know, the thing is, we, um, I wrote that intro. I, I think my intro is only 30, what is it, 30 seconds long or something like that, When You yeah. took the rest of it and, and turned it into an amazing piece of music. But I think the only real conversation we had about it was this, and I love that you said Tunnel of Love, because that's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's, it's, a twisted, <laughs> messed up tunnel of love. But basically, you know, you go in, uh, you know, very slow moving boat ride. Uh, there's no drops or anything like that. And it's just creepy. And, you know, there's lights on there. And I, I kind of imagine shadow play kind of happening as you move through it. And I think there is a lot of, um, you know, how can I say this? You know, how how can I make this sound as as intellectual as my accent suggests. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would say that I think there is a lot of beauty and horror. I think there is some beauty to be found in, in, in sadness and, and scares and, and, and misery sometimes as well. Um, I, and, I, and I feel like that is what would be portrayed in this ride. You know, it is a... Water in general, when you see like lights uh, around water and the water itself reflecting off the walls of a carbon, it, it's it's very beautiful, you know. It's so it, it would definitely put you in that mood. And at least for the the music, it definitely doesn't necessarily take a sinister turn here. This is very much a, um, yeah. a sigh of relief in the park, you know. Right. Um, It'd be really cool to have lights. Um, you know, shining from underwater onto the the ceiling of the cave. So you get that kind of really pretty water reflection oh. pattern and, you know, maybe like yeah. green tones or whatever kind of colors you want reflecting all over this cavern. I think that'd be really cool. You actually just gave me a great idea because I, I mentioned that we'd have like shadow play and things like that. And I just imagine that going on all throughout this ride, just creepy shadows, bats, you know. That's great. Uh, silhouettes, things like that. Yeah. But what if you projected those shadows from under the water Whoa. where you're talking about with the lights? <laughs> you yeah. Know? 
that would make it almost more ghostly where it's kind of like amorphous and it's kind yeah. of like shifting around and like uh, hard to really understand oh. what it is. Man, that could be really creepy yes. actually. Even even in a non-water ride using a like a filter of water to kind of make the image less clear and more uh kind of scattered. I think that could be an interesting effect. We'll have to send that to R&D and have them, you know, test some stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to include a lot of vocals on on this track. I think it's something that a lot of film composers do whenever you have this this underwater scene in a film. It's usually accompanied by, you know, solo female vocals or something like that. So, True. you know, yeah, it's it, yeah. it's about as soothing as Sideshow is going to get. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry if this doesn't soothe you, but, um, you know, we like the scares. to our next track here the manor march um this is a a kind of return to the park for me that's what it kind of feels like it feels kind of like like almost cheerful like uh you're excited and things are coming back to life um not that they had died before you know we've been through all this excitement in the last several tracks but it's kind of got certain vibes like the the park comes to life back on track two this is one that i came up with this was very very wacky. <laughs> um, one of the things that I really wanted to have our, our park in, uh, contain is a is a is an actual marching band. Cool. Um, I just thought you know, there's got to be some kind of live musical element, and I love the idea that there was a, a piece of music that was written about the manor itself. Because um, one thing we haven't mentioned is, you know, the park icon is a real castle, uh, Castle Offenstein, which plays into the history of, of, you know, Green Hill Point and all that stuff. And so I, I thought there, there should be a march that's played throughout the day where, you know, the marching band comes in. And so I, I wrote this little march, and then I, I tried to design, you know, do, do sound design on it that made it sound like you were in the space hearing them kind of off to your left. That's and awesome. Then, and then it kind of goes from diegetic to non-diegetic and kind of melts into a a full, you know, uh, audio experience and you hear the rest of the piece of music as if you weren't there, you were actually in the music. So I'm not sure if it plays. I hope it does. <laughs> it's a weird one, but I was actually just about to ask about that. Um, cause this is the first time that you know, the manor has, has been named on the album, um, specifically. And that's, that's always something that really intrigued me about the album artwork is, you know, over there in front of like the silhouette of, uh, of the, the manor itself. It's like that that is what immediately drew my attention when I first, you know, saw the album art. I was like, wow, this this looks awesome and you know, the album's called Green Hill Manor and so this is actually a a castle that you guys have come up with a backstory for. That's really cool. Oh, yes. Uh we introduced it on our first album actually in the track uh, Storm the Castle and wow. Th- yeah, so it, it just a brief history of it. It, it was basically a, a place where he was doing some things that upset the villagers uh, some 300 years ago, and they stormed his castle and burnt it to the ground. Um, but the saying goes, well, there's a, there's a children's rhyme that was made up about him. They, they burned his castle to the ground, but his body was never found. Uh, so he, he uh, disappeared. Uh, he, he was not amongst, amidst the rubble and the, uh, the fallen castle. Well, in the 1800s, they rebuilt the castle for historical purposes, 
And then when Carl Ellersby bought the property, he actually refurbished it and made sure that it was as it appeared in the uh, 1700s. And, uh, and it is basically the, the park icon, as well as really being the biggest tourist attraction in Greenhill Point. Yeah, I love that it's got an actual like historical value to it. It's not you know just a, a logo for a theme park or for like you know Disney's castle. It's like, what if Disney's castle was actually a castle back in the day? Like That'd be really fascinating. It's awesome, yeah. It's and it's right there on the 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 first album cover too. Like you can see that castle. It's exactly the same one, you know. And it's and it's so high as well. It really is the centerpiece of the the park, you know. It's, uh, I mean, yeah. It's a little off to the right. I mean, if you if you look at the artwork in general, you can definitely see the track titles. You've got the creepy carousel there to the left. Um, you've got the tunnel of fear to the far left. You've got jungle jeebies close to the palm trees on the right. Um, it's all there. <laughs> so, yeah. it's it's all thought out. I love that you guys have done great with this. This whole project is awesome. This is actually based on a movie that, that exists in our universe called Chasing Frankenstein. And huh. I'll let Wendell explain what that movie's about and what this ride's about. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> yeah, well, it's exactly that. Um, you know, I, I definitely wanted this uh, this ride with Frankenstein because, you know, I think the idea for the Frankenstein restaurant came before this. And then we had meetings <laughs> yeah. and discussions and kind of formed this, you know, specific ride that is based on a movie like Will mentioned. Um, yeah, this this ride is is one of one of those rides that starts off with a ride vehicle going forwards. And then when it descends into the madness, <laughs> it, it quickly turns backwards. <laughs> and what you are seeing is the ride vehicle is pushing you from from left to right. Basically, it's just chasing Frankenstein around the world and you can definitely hear that through the music you know you are hearing um i mean to to give all the countries a mention you know he he is being chased through france he then goes to russia um america specifically the midwest with the banjos um then to the middle <laughs> east through asia uh and ending in india uh so <laughs> it is right around the world and i imagine it quite comical i imagine you constantly following an audio anim animatronic figure um going oh, through cool. all these different um uh, you know countries and on the way collecting things from these countries so as he's running maniacally through the middle east you know maybe a, a fez hat falls on his head um when he's running through the midwest <laughs> you know maybe he gets caught up in banjo strings you know when he's running through france oh, he's, he i don't know spoils a, a, a lovely romantic couple's dinner in front of the eiffel tower so that i imagined it quite comical and <laughs> i don't know if yeah. that comes across but it's again it's kind of less sinister and more just watching the exploits of this chase happen and the ride vehicle moving to show you this story um it's not necessarily complex but it's it's taking you through all these different areas and kind of um it's a small world in a in a in a more fun way <laughs> and i and i do want to i just wanted one very important story note that that I, I feel we should mention is this movie within our universe is not to be taken seriously oh no like no no, no. <laughs> it, it's one of those you know this is 
the probably the dumbest idea any any movie producers ever come up with you know a movie called chasing frankenstein yeah. and that's that's the point you know mm-hmm. and, and so it, it's just one of those cash grabby sort of we've got this character and we can you know use him or whatever and uh and and so that's what it, that's that's the film it's not a good film it's not to be taken seriously but this is you know that's why we call it chasing frankenstein the ride you know, right it's, it's like a cash that. in it's, on a movie yeah, yeah not to be yeah exactly exactly oh that's fun and literally the things i have written down are travel dash lots of types of music cartoon carnival like it it definitely feels more comical and cartoony (laughs) and uh, i'm glad to hear it was part of an attraction because i was like this track doesn't quite seem to fit if it's just being broadcast in the overall park it's like well all these other songs like have this really kind of cool um prestigious almost like horror like creepy comfort to them and then there's this one song that's like sounds almost like a cartoon version of that and that sounds like what you're going for. You know, it's it's like a, a, yeah. a happier version of the whole vibe of the park. You know, it's like what if it's almost like making fun of itself in a way. You know, it's it's got these like very self-aware. Yeah, self-aware. Very it's self-aware. got a creepy character in Frankenstein, but he's just kind of running around being a goofball. And I, I love that. That's it's a fun yeah. change of pace and, you know, something for for the young ones. So that sounds great. <laughs> So we are moving right along to uh, lucky number 13, Scary Stories Saloon. And uh, as you kind of mentioned earlier, this is a nod to another album. That's awesome. This one definitely sounds more kind of Western. There's a lot of sort of ghost sounds and gunshots. And uh, I could could kind of envision a a really neat, you know, animatronic filled saloon for this one if you wanted to you know have it as an actual so dining attraction up on that <laughs> yeah definitely i was i imagine it as just a place you kind of walk through and look at but if you can actually eat in there that'd be that'd be wild i would just be scared of a uh, stray bullets flying past me you know <laughs> <laughs> well what's what's interesting is what you're hearing is on one side of the dining room there's a cowboy with a pistol and on the other side there is a uh, an explorer with a whip and they're sort of uh, at odds with each other. But in the middle of this is the dining room where you eat. <laughs> and every 30 seconds or so, you hear this whoosh, and then you hear the cowboy returning fire. And it's, you know, and it's, I imagine them both to be the most primitive audio animatronic figures you've ever seen in your life. Like nothing that's ever going to impress you at all. <laughs> but Yeah, I, I like the kind of creepy animatronic vibe where it's almost like a, a skeleton that's not properly animated or like a, kind of a Five Nights at Freddy's kind of vibe where animatronics can get really kind of creepy really quickly if they don't work quite properly. And then also they appeal to the you know kind of classic vintage theme park fans. It's like, oh, I remember when all the animatronics used to look that bad. Yeah. The crowd being in the middle and like not knowing which way to face because, you know, it's a battle going back and forth. It'd be kind of, kind of exciting to try to eat underneath that, you know, where you've got these, you know, big scary uh, characters on either side of the restaurant and they're, they're having this huge back and forth and you're kind of caught in the middle of it. Yeah. And I, I envision that this, this place has existed from day one. So the audio animatronics are, you know, Mark one, terrible, you know, no one's ever thought to like refurb them. Like the paint's coming off, you know, it's just, well, we could totally have like an audio animatronics graveyard, you know, just like people with like blood oh, spurting out oh, yeah. and just broken toys. 
Cool. So the next track, 14, Pumpkin Patch Pavilion. It's kind of got like a almost ballet kind of feel where it's, it's like, it seems to be telling a story uh, and it's just a, a comfortable kind of place to be. I, I see this as a pavilion, you know, a place where you can kind of stroll around or take a rest. And uh, yeah, it, it seems seems like a comfortable place. And I like the name a lot of the Pumpkin Patch Pavilion. And maybe this would be where we have the uh, jack-o'-lantern carving contest. Funny you mentioned that, actually. Uh, when I wrote this, I was thinking of this place as basically fall personified. Wow. <laughs> so cool. Everything that you love about fall, I know we're getting into crazy uh, white people territory, <laughs> with, you know, pumpkin spice lattes and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and all that stuff. But, you know, uh, just it, this, this area is dripping with that sort of vibe. You know, it's the whole place smells like pumpkin spice. And then, you know, there's probably even a Starbucks there. I don't even know. No way. Not in Apoc. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well we've got we've got our own we've got our, got our own pumpkin spice lattes going on, mm-hmm. and yeah, I love the idea that this would be where the the in fact on our last album, um, uh, they landed on Halloween. We actually, which is set in 1955, one year after this park opens, ah. we are at uh, this park one year after it opens, and we actually have a couple scenes in there. And one of the things that you hear uh, the announcer say is uh, the annual pumpkin carving contest will begin shortly or whatever. Oh, cool. So I've always imagined that this is where that, that takes place, the Pumpkin Patch Pavilion. Fifteen Dance of the mm-hmm. Jack O' Lanterns. Well, this is a this is a show ah. that uh, that I envision taking place in the Pumpkin Patch Pavilion every uh, night, and the you'd have these these really elaborately set up uh, sort of visuals where you'd have a, a combination of of water effects, uh, light effects, animatronics, screens, all kinds of things that would actually show you. These pumpkins, these jack-o'-lanterns coming to life and dancing, uh, again, uh, being synchronized with music. And uh, that was basically what I, what I thought when I wrote it, you know, when I wrote the piece of music for this track. That it was just cool. this, this fun little show. And, you know, you'd, you'd ideally see it at nighttime when there are no other lights on except for, you know, the, the lights coming out of the jack-o'-lanterns. And, and wow. just imagine the crazy stuff you could do, you know. Yeah, I love that, that kind of vibe of having just you just candlelight or simulated candlelight coming out of the faces of these characters. That that's a really cool vibe. Yeah. I, I, for some reason was picturing this like during the day and I, but I think doing it at night really, really sets it off correctly. That sounds amazing. And we could do a, uh, a simulated candle that can switch between all the colors yeah. of the rainbow. So you could have them instantly change, you know, all the same color or kind of like do the wave of switching colors across the whole, area with you know all these like dozens of jack-o'-lanterns changing colors uh in in time with the music or this you know the stage show whatever needs to to be done as far as the story of the this performance goes but that'd be really exciting to have them be able to change colors instead of just being the natural candlelight that we're so comfortable with that's again that kind of mix of comforting because it's a candle at nighttime versus creepy because it's a scary face looking at you you know it's we can kind of take that to the next next level or a modern interpretation of that i think that everyone that works at the park Everyone has to be in character, meaning you know they are they are oh. kind of like the ghost hosts at Haunted Mansion. You know they and they don't 
break from it, you know? I'm not necessarily saying they'd be gloomy and depressed because this is a very fun and joyous park as well. I think that would be, make the job so much more fun for, for a lot of people. You know, a certain type of personality might not like it, but in general, you know, if you want to work in this kind of environment, like, give the the employees the ability to to really act and get into character and and take their role as seriously or as, you know, kind of goofily as they want to. So I think empowering them to do that. I mean, they do it at the Haunted Mansion. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's... And it kind of like Jungle Cruise where, you know, they can, they could kind of come up with their own, their own like jokes and their own kind of like story of it. I think that would be pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Because while there is a strong focus, you know, that, that creative license is so, so important, you know, the... You know, having a creative team and throwing out ideas. Um, giving the employees the chance to do that every single day, I think that'd be awesome. And, you know, as someone who's worked in a lot of kind of peon-level jobs, um, giving, you know, if someone had been like, oh, you can you can wear this crazy hat and really go crazy if you want to, I would totally do that. You know, I love I love empowering the employees to, to really push the envelope and, and, you know, make somebody's day every day. Like, I think that'd be fascinating. It'd be really fun. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, cool. So, uh, hold on to your hats because, uh, we're about to go off the rails with number 16, off the rails, exclamation point. This, this is a, a really exciting one. I, I wrote down um, escalating polka. It's it's kind of goes from slow to fast and then slow again. And it's got this kind of like ominous pulse to it. I was just wide-eyed listening to this track. It was like, whoa, I did not see this coming. It's so exciting. And uh, so, yeah, you said this was one of the attractions that was there at the, the 2009 opening. Is that correct? It was right before it closed for investigation and safety and all that. This was the cause. This was the thrill of all thrill rides. Um, this is, I am not a big uh, roller coaster guy. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. <laughs> as, which, is, which is strange because I, I, um, I love theme parks and spend a lot of time talking about right. them on various shows and spend a lot of money going to them. <laughs> but I am not a, uh, I'm not a roller coaster, not a fan of going upside down. And in my mind, when Wendell and I sat down with this, I was like, you know what? I'm going to, this needs to be the, sca- this needs to be so scary. There's no way you could ever pay me to be on it. You know? <laughs> um, which, which the music doesn't really tell you, you know, so much. Knowing me, and I, I guess I do. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that this <laughs> is definitely one where the track name came before the track title. You know, obviously we definitely had to have a roller coaster. And, and again, it's right there on the left of the album artwork, but you know, off the rails again, I mean that, is just, you know, off the rails. Speaking of a descent into madness, I this was actually envisioned as one of the, even though it's track 16, one of the very first tracks, it's one of the very first pieces of music I wrote. And Will was like, no, 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 we can do so much more with this. And that we did. <laughs> but <laughs> it also led to this idea of having just more sounds on the album because I, you know, I had these people screaming and these laughs. I had that that typical kind of, attraction siren sound you know and the closing of the doors Mm -hmm. and and i think that 
it's it's a it's a roller coaster that very much is kind of in and out of buildings it's going all over the place taking you everywhere you know yeah. um and, li- and like the jungle gb's track when i take over that's when the ride shifts gears yes. completely because uh-huh. in Wendell's section it's very much a carnival kind of fun sort of you know traditional sense of a carnival ride when i take over that's when the ride gets to the point where i would never ride it if you paid me a million dollars why is it called off the rails well because it literally goes off the track that's and, awesome and yeah i mean it's it's uh, i'm not sure how you do it i'm mm-hmm. not an imagineer <laughs> uh but <laughs> but you would at speed literally be launched off the track oh and man seem to be in free fall and corkscrew and, and all that stuff and and i just you know as a as and what's great is you know as a as a composer I scored it as though I was scoring an actual roller coaster. You know, I was I was scoring the loops and the drops oh, and, cool. the, and the crazy stuff. So it was really a lot like writing an action cue, and I really yeah. enjoyed that. I'm sure that the, the roller coaster would be really fun to design as well, where you need it to look like it's chaotic and out of control, but of course it's designed and it's safe and everything. There was this uh, is the title of the track, and um, this one, in my opinion, was kind of uh, a mellow ending, but it's it's still mysterious. It maintains the the overall vibe of the album. What exactly is this? What is your interpretation of of this? I have to choose my words carefully mm. because this this is uh, something that will be revealed in the future. Wow. <laughs> We're getting back into the diegetic, non-diegetic thing mm-hmm. where this is now the closing scene of a movie, essentially. Yeah. Um, so it, so we're kind of out of park audio and back into the story or the end of the story. And the only thing I can really say without giving too much away is that this is basically the Oz behind the curtain moment of this story. And that what happens in this track plays a very important role in a future album. So... That's the album, and we got a little bit of a teaser for for the next one. I'm I'm so excited about that now. Is is there a place where where fans can kind of read the story behind these parks, or is it something that you kind of have to to get from the titles of the tracks and from listening for little Easter eggs within the tracks themselves? Well, what we're doing right now, um, this is the year we've been planning it for a long time, but we are going to be rolling out the entire world through different forms of media. So Mm. we're currently actually uh, writing short novellas to accompany each album. And, and so, yeah, we're going to, we're going to be fleshing out the story because, you know, the thing is, you know, when you, when you've only got the music and the, and the track titles and the artwork, you can do a lot with that, but you know, there's so much more story that we want to tell. So we're definitely going to be. Uh, rolling that out this year um we're going to be doing uh, a lot more visual media um we're trying to collaborate with different people who who you know are interested in in the story and and really want to help us tell it and and uh so there'll be ways we're doing that um our website's going to be completely re you know overhauled to include a lot of interactive elements that'll you know allow you to look at the maps of, of green hill point and the you know different posters for, for attractions i mean we, we're literally going crazy um to flesh this world out so yeah it's all in the works i'm I'm just so excited that's great i mean i i love this album and seeing it tie into like you know a a larger 
uh, narrative is, is thrilling. I'm, I'm so pumped now. That's great. <laughs> That's awesome. Before we go, I was going to give you guys my interpretation of, of what I thought Green Hill Manor would be like. Please. Um, we want to hear this. Yes. <laughs> sure. So, so I, you know, didn't, didn't know a ton about the backstory as far as Castle Offenstein and all of that stuff. Um, so it was pretty much just this, uh, this album as an island, like its own thing. You know, I have the track titles and I have the, the audio itself and I kind of, you know, have, have taken those tracks into my interpretation of this. And um, I was imagining it like as the whole album taking place inside of the manor. And I know that's not necessarily the intent. And I did get the vibe of like, this is, we're obviously in an outdoor space on the first like few tracks, but I was like, what if we interpret this whole thing as a next generation haunted house? You know, the first few tracks is kind of, you're, you're entering the foyer and you're seeing kind of shadows on the walls and just kind of the general creepiness of, of an attraction like that. But then um, kind of over time you get to explore the different rooms and there's this whole, you know, tragic backstory of the family that lived there. Um, and, you know, of course everyone died, you know, as always happens in these things. And um, you can go into each person's room and then the rooms are kind of um, really unusual in the fact that they're kind of surreal. And so, for example, the ghost train I had interpreted as kind of like an older gentleman's you know his room and so it's you know a lot of wood and kind of really nice things that you might find on an old-fashioned train but it's just you know it's just a bedroom nothing too crazy but um once once everyone you know you're in a small group and you go there's specific areas you need to go to on the opposite side of the room so you're on the far side of the room where there's a desk and there's a kind of like a bed a small bed and once everyone's on that side of the room this weird thing starts to happen where there is a suddenly a seam halfway down the room. So you're all the way on the far side. So the seam is kind of blocking you off from the door from whence you came. And so this from the seam, there's walls that start to come in to close you off. And it's basically cutting the room in half. So it's half the size all of a sudden. Oh. And then at the same time, um, another partition starts to come off and cut off the area that had the desk and the seat versus the area that had the bed. And it actually forms train cars, like a, a sleeping car on one end and a, you know, just kind of seated seating car on the other end. And basically more furniture kind of slides out of the walls. And then the walls on the side drop down and you realize that you are inside of a train. And this, this room actually was just a train parked there, like totally camouflaged in. And so now you're suddenly on a train and the train starts moving. And it's basically like half of this room has just departed from the house. And it's no longer part of the manor. It's actually this this train that just matches the theming perfectly with this, you know, older gentleman's room. And so basically you're like going through his memories or, you know, his highest point of his life was this train journey where, you know, he fell in love or whatever kind of backstory you want. And so he's kind of themed his whole bedroom, his whole like space in this home to kind of match and kind of vibe with his, you know, sunny memories of the past on this train. And that was the, the kind of the kind of vibe I had there with this like surreal transformation oh, that's incredible i like that's such that. a cool idea so though. cool for a character yeah, <laughs> yeah that's amazing thank you yeah. and i mean i know that one's probably impossible to do unless you have very specific areas like everyone has to sit down in these specific seats and like put a seatbelt on and then the room can start to kind of transform around you but that was uh, something that was kind of going through my mind as i was listening to that track um that's just kind of what i was seeing in my head and um another one i was thinking of was having someone who was kind of an explorer you know i know that's kind of an archetype of of you know early 20th century 
or late 1800s, you know, the, uh, the safari type of person, like someone who's been on explorations of, you know, Africa and stuff. And so they've got some kind of tribal like trophies and things mounted to their walls. And, uh, basically when you enter the room, there's only a small light right by when you first enter. So the end of the room is in darkness and there's actually a curtain there. We can't see it, but it's a curtain. So it doesn't sound like anything crazy. It just sounds like you're in a bedroom. But then once you start walking towards that far wall that's totally pitch black, um, the curtain lifts and it suddenly starts to feel like you're in a bigger space. And then you can uh, you turn on the lights and you find that the, the pattern on the wallpaper extends through this big hole. Basically, the far wall is just totally gone. It's just totally open. And there's actually a hill. It goes downhill like maybe 20 feet. Um, you're on a grassy hill. And then down you can find this kind of trail that leads into the jungle. And... It's it's all in, indoors, of course, and so the actual ceiling, as you're walking down this grass-covered hill, the ceiling still matches the the ceiling decoration and the same kind of light bulbs that were in the bedroom, and it's kind of surreal melting between whoever lived in this room, their decor in the room, and their favorite favorite memory from their life when they had this exciting expedition through the jungle. So the jungle is actually inside the house. You know, it's a part of this manor where you're kind of walking into this person's, like, memory palace, like they're favorite things from their memory that they kind of retrace again and again, you get to go on that same journey. And then something starts to chase you and you have to run all the way back to the house. You know, you run back up the hill and suddenly you're back in the bedroom again and you can go back out in the hallway and close it. And that whole uh, jungle adventure is behind you. Very cool. It's like a mix and match between um, uh, Jumanji and a little bit of Up and and sideshow of course yeah no 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 that's that's great i love that idea and and i love the idea of bringing the outside world into the inside world i think that's neat i think you could play around with a lot of those ideas which you have <laughs> it's awesome i love that yeah and and trying to <laughs> just trying to interpret this album as happening within a haunted house context i was like this mm. is such a fascinating thing that's really pushing my imagination and i had so such a fun thrill trying to think of that and how you can kind of combine specific things from the the soundtrack into this one home and i was like well you know it doesn't necessarily make sense so maybe we need to do a little bit of travel into people's memories or you know different things that aren't necessarily actually indoor to the house but it kind of all connects together um cool so so where where exactly would we go to kind of follow up on this and kind of track the the next album and the one after that and the whole Green Hill saga? Yeah, you go straight to scienceofsoundtheater.com. You will find all the links there. We have a specific um, page dedicated to uh, all of these, these albums. Each one has a separate page. Like I said, you can definitely uh, stream it there. And what I would... What I would also uh, uh, recommend people do is if you like what you hear and, and you want to hear more, you know, I, I really encourage you to, to comment, you know, share our content, go onto the website, leave some comments, tell us your favorite track, tell us what you're looking forward to on future albums from what we've, we've said here today. And um, yeah, get, get behind it because we are not going anywhere. This is a Halloween album every year until we rest in peace. <laughs> And maybe after, maybe yeah. afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. And I, I love just, you know, supporting people like you guys who are our creators with such great imagination and just you're using, you know, your, your personal skills and your, the things you have access to, your technology and 
your contacts to just make it happen. Just you're just doers. Like I love that. It's it's such a cool narrative that you guys have come up with, and you're doing everything yourself. You know, that's it's awesome. It's such a cool like entrepreneurial spirit. There's a lot to be valued about that. Oh, thanks, man. Sure, absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the show. This was wonderful. I, I really, really enjoyed this. <laughs>